share this morning about how do we really know somebody? How do we really know them? Do we know somebody by what we see? You know, by what we see. We look at somebody and we think we know them by their appearance, by their looks. We, we draw conclusions. You know, I think we, we jump to conclusions. I think that's pretty natural. But do we really know somebody? Do we know them by how they act? Do we know them by what we hear, what others might say about somebody? Is that how we know somebody? <laughs> One of the things I kind of chuckle about, do we really know somebody by talking to them on Facebook? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, you get a lot of interaction, but do you, you really know them? I'm, quite, I'm kind of amazed. I know there's folks here who have uh, found each other and uh, have been successful in relationships by finding each other in online dating. You know, and I think that's, that's great. But, you know, you don't really know somebody from online dating the first time you go, hey, hi, and okay, now I know you. I'm kind of amazed how, you know, some people even uh, know somebody on Facebook a little bit, and first thing you know, they're traveling 100 miles or hundreds of miles to go meet somebody they met on Facebook. I think, wow, how dangerous. You know, you really, you really don't know them. You don't know them. I believe that, you know, Knowing, thinking we know somebody can cause us to make mistakes when we really don't know them. And I say this especially to young people who, who think about dating. You know, you can date somebody, you can think you know them, but it takes a while to know somebody, to know somebody. Outward appearances can be faked for a time. You know, you can... You can look good. And let's face it, I, I don't think anything wrong with this, but when people date, they put their best foot forward. You know, they, they put their best foot forward. You really, honestly, you really don't know somebody till you go through a hard time with them. You really don't know somebody till you get in a situation and maybe there's a little conflict. You know, maybe there's a little bit of like, oh, I didn't like what you said or I didn't like the way you said that. And then you go, oh. And then you got to work through it and now you know somebody a little bit better. You know him a little bit better. In uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, when they were looking for a king, the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his outward appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For, the Lord, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I want us to just think about that this morning. That's kind of the... the direction I'm going is that you know we look at a lot of times at what we see we look at the outward appearance and it says God looks at the heart and the Bible really tells us that we're supposed to look at people that way too we're supposed to know each other after our hearts you know and so we really want to get past the outward what we see we want to get past that we want to know what's somebody's heart What's really in somebody? And, you know, sometimes people think we can fool each other. You know, we can kind of fool one another. But I always like this. Well, I don't know if I like this scripture. I guess that's kind of a stretch. In Proverbs 15, 3, this is kind of a stretch that I say I like this scripture, but it's true. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. You know, we may think we fool people, but the reality is, you know, we don't. We may fool people, we don't fool God. Because he sees the heart. 
And what he tells us is we need to know each other after the heart. So we need to get past appearances and past things we see, and we need to start to get to know people in their heart. What's their heart? And what's really inside of them? You know, um, years ago, well, it's been a few years ago, but there was a man on radio, which I say a man on radio because a lot of people go, who? Young people, who are you talking about? They wouldn't have no clue who I'm talking about. Uh, His name was Paul Harvey. (laughs) And Paul Harvey used to say, and now the rest of the story, you know, and now the rest. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. It's not just what you maybe see, right? And so today I want to tell the rest of a story, okay? And this whole message, I, I've been, I've been really, this message has been stirring inside of me for a few months. And, uh, and I just wanted to share uh, uh, this message and, and uh, share it at a time when uh, I could use an example. So um, anyway, today, Jim Jividen, he shared a song with us during communion. Okay, Jim, come up and he share. You know, and you know, did a great job. And, and you know, everybody, I'm sure you were blessed by it. But, you know, and I've had, I got permission to share this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but do we really know Jim? Do we really know him? Well, I, you know, I, I heard him sing, and, but do we really know him? You know, do we know his heart? Do we know what he's been through? You know, and that's the way it is with a lot of us. You know, do we really know one another? Do we really know somebody? We, we make judgments on what we see and, and uh, what we think we see and, well, they must be this or they must be that. Well, I want to share a little bit just, just to give you a little glimpse of Jim's testimony. Now, this was in the words of Carolyn as she shared this. So um, I've got permission to read this. But uh, the rest of the story is on December the 7th, 1981, Pearl Harbor Day, when the bombs went off at our home. While my husband Jim was about to leave for work, Right before my eyes, I, began, I hear him beginning to scream in great pain, saying he could not see anything. Completely blind, his head swollen like a basketball, and the pores on his face looking as though he had been shot with a BB gun. I could hardly recognize who this man was. He began running into walls at full speed, not knowing what he was doing. God gave me supernatural strength to get him down on the floor, As I called emergency, he went into a deep coma, and he remained in that coma for three months. Since the ambulance considered him already dead, they didn't bother to rush to the hospital. Normally fatal fatal within minutes, Jim had suffered a severe brain hemorrhage, and before the day was over, he had three more blood vessels break. After reaching the hospital, the doctor said there was no hope and that Jim would, would die within a very short time. If for some reason he hung on longer, they said he would be a vegetable. I stayed in hospital around the clock, and though it was unusual, I pretty much had the run of the place. This allowed, for some reason, very often, prayer with other people and some witnessing. When I finally left the hospital, I'll never forget what happened. I ran up and down the streets, crying out to God of everyone involved. I felt I should be the one to know what would happen. I asked Jesus to tell me if Jim would live or die. He revealed that Jim would live and that he would receive much glory as I allowed him to use me as a vessel for his glory. That puts a whole different perspective on Jim singing. Without that, without without knowing, we go, oh, yeah, 
That was nice. That was, that was good. But think about the impact of he's not supposed to be here. He, you know, this, he, he wasn't supposed to be able to do that. You know? And how many times do, do we look at things, we look at people, and we really don't always know. And what I want you to see is sometimes we make judgments. We make judgments about situations when we really don't know the whole story. And what a testimony. You know, now, you know, what a testimony, Jim, of what God did. And God gets the glory for what he did. You know? And Jim will tell you, if you come up to him now, maybe you didn't know this, but if you ever think Jim ignores you, he can't see out of one, I don't know, which one? Left to center. He can't see left to center. If you come up to him on the left, he's going to ignore you. Now, you may think, oh, what's wrong with him today? Or I was trying to say, good job, and he just act like I didn't even. He can only see, he can't see left of center. Okay? So see, again, the rest of the story. How many times when we interact with somebody, we go, well, what's wrong with them? We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what's happening in their life. And so we want to be able to understand that, you know, we need to know people after who they really are. The Apostle Paul, he talks about this outward appearance thing. You know, the Bible gives us kind of a description that his outward appearance wasn't so great. I'm convinced if he was on TV today, he would not make it. I think the Apostle Paul would be a failure on TV. Um, just... He wouldn't, he would just wouldn't, he wouldn't make it, which makes you kind of think, it makes me think about that a little bit. But, you know, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, the uh, second chapter. Beginning at the first verse. Paul says, I am determined this within myself that I should not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then those, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I come I should have sorrow over those whom I ought not to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you, with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have abundantly for you. So what does Paul say? He says, you know, I came, I wrote, you know, I came in sorrow, I came in tears. You know, he struggled. He struggled. You know, we don't think about that aspect of him. You know, we don't think about that aspect of the Apostle Paul. You know, he, he, well, he wouldn't have struggled. He just seemed to have it all together. He did, everything, he did everything right, but he says no. He said, I came to you out of much affliction. Anguish of heart, I wrote to you. With many tears. With many tears. You know, and he says, this is, this is who I really am. You know? And, and he came and he spoke to these people. And then in that was in first. Let's back up. First Corinthians. Excuse me. There you go, Jeff. That's, see, I catch it so once in a while. First Corinthians, second. Okay. And I, you all read that right, right? 
Yeah, well, that other one was talking about something that how he came. And he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My speech and my per- preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. <laughs> so what did he say? You know, he says, you know, the, the verse that I did share said, you know, he came in weeping and tears. He says, I didn't have expressive words. My speech wasn't the best. He says, my wisdom wasn't the greatest. He says, I came in weakness and in trembling. You know, oh, well, that's what he was. That's what he was like. That's 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 what he was. He was honest enough to say, this is this is who I really am. This is who I really am. It's not some image, you know. You know, and I guess maybe that's a good example of me finding the wrong verse and then going like, well, see, that wasn't so, that wasn't so uh, smooth, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's just reality. It's reality. And it's reality when you know people. And you know, you know what their, their testimony is. But it says his words were inspired by God and backed by a demonstration of the spirit and power. That in reality, it wasn't him. And that was his testimony. That was his testimony to the people that, you know, it's, it's not me. It's not me. And it's not in his ability. And it's not in what you see always. You know, it's not always what we see. But it's in what's in the heart. In 2 Corinthians, he also shares 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Begin to the first verse. He says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So what did he say? He says, well, he says, you know, we're all an epistle. We're all an epistle. How are we an epistle? We're an epistle because of what's written in our hearts. We're an epistle because of who we really are. You know, and that's, that's what we need to know. We need to know each other after our hearts. After our hearts. And honestly, folks, that's what happens when people get to know us. That's what happens when people get to know us over a period of time. They start to know our heart. They start to know whether what you say is what you really believe. They start to know what your testimony is. They start to know what's really inside of you. I've often said many times, you don't know what's inside of somebody till you turn on the heat. You know, it's kind of like boiling, boiling something. You know, you don't know what's in there until you really turn on the heat and see what happens. And that's really true. We can all look pretty good till you turn on the heat. You know, till you get into a spot. Do you get into a hard spot? And then you find out sometimes what's, well, what do we say sometimes? Well, I didn't know they were like that. Well, we, that's not the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be as God would have us in the heart. And when people get to know our heart, then we are an epistle for him. We're a testimony for him. And that's what people really need to see. 
You know, it's okay for people to see our heart. It's okay for people, and it's okay for people to see us make mistakes. You know, I've, I've watched in situations where something happens and people go, oh, that didn't go so good, or this didn't happen right, or that didn't happen right. And I've often said, yeah, but that's not what was really behind all that. That may have not have been the right thing, but it's interesting to watch people around it react to what happened. It's just always interesting. You know, life isn't perfect. Stuff, you know, things don't happen perfect around us. It's always interesting to see our reaction to the situation. How do we react to somebody when we find out maybe what's in their heart? When we're offended, can we forgive? If we make a mistake, can we say, I'm sorry? You know, what, what's in our hearts? What are we really like? And that's, that's what God wants our hearts. You know, the Bible says he sees everything. He sees our hearts. He sees us. So we don't have anything, you know, we can hide. You can hide from people, but you can't hide from him. He knows. He knows. He knows what's going on. And so our hearts need to be towards him. Not perfect. We're not perfect. None of us are. We try to do our best. We try to be obedient to what the Lord would have us to do. And that's what heart you see. You know, God said David, David was the man after his heart. Now, on the outside, if I looked at David, right, you know, we just, we just did that not too long ago, did a study of David. If I looked at David after I was done, I go, that guy was a mess. He was he 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 committed adultery and then he covered up by murdering a guy. I mean, he wow. If I just looked at that, I'd say, wow, he was not good. Not good. Yeah. But he the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. That he had a heart. It was the heart. And what did God see? Oh, God saw what he did, and David paid a price for what he did. Okay? I mean, he lost a child. David paid a price for what he did. But God saw his heart. And God saw he was a man after his heart. And so I just want to encourage us, you know, see one another after the heart. You know, get to know people. Know their heart. Oh, yeah, we see the mistakes. A lot of times, you know, mistakes are kind of right on the surface. When somebody makes a mistake, it's right out there, you know. And we say, well, there, see, there you go. And sometimes, you know, we, we, I've heard people say, well, they think they're a Christian. Think, well, you know, we can be Christians and still make mistakes. But that doesn't show our heart. You know, it's how we react to things, how we forgive, how we say I'm sorry, how we love, how we love unconditionally. You know, how do we do those things? That shows our heart. That shows our heart. And that's what we're supposed to know about one another. Know about one another. You know, I think personally, if we really can do that, it gives us great compassion for people. I think it gives us great compassion. I think it helps us to understand people, to love them, to not be so critical, to say, you know, I see their heart. I see their heart. You know, I don't know how many times I've been in situations, and especially a lot of times in marital situations, and I'm not saying this to justify anything or anybody, but, you know, not everybody's perfect in marriage. You know, those that are older go, 
Yeah, well, that's no brainer. <laughs> Those that are younger and maybe sometimes have more aspirations of perfection can be a little more stirred by that, thinking that, you know, my marriage should be perfect. And sometimes what happens, I believe, over a period of time is we start to know one another more and more after our hearts. You know, we start to understand why people are the way they are. You know, maybe there's things that have caused us to be the way we are. You know, and sometimes we can see the faults and we can see the things, but we need to have compassion and understand that, you know, there's reasons sometimes why somebody is like they are. You know, and then we can begin to know them after their heart. And sometimes maybe we need to express and reveal our heart. I believe sometimes in situations we, we guard our hearts so nobody can see it. So nobody can tell, nobody can know, nobody can understand my weakness and my failures or why I'm the way I am. But I believe really knowing somebody is when we can really know them for who they really are. Who they really are. And love them. You know, the Bible says God so loved the world. God so loved, when did he love the world? When the world got it all right? God so loved the world when the world was perfect. God so loved the world when we did it right. God so loved the world, and the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved the world when we were all messed up. And God loved us. How can we be any different? How can we be any different? He wants us to have that kind of heart. That kind of heart for one another. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you want us to have hearts that are right before you. That's why David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart. He knew his heart. He knew the things he had done. And he knew he needed God to create a new heart. Lord, help us to be able to know each other after our hearts. Lord, help us to know each other as we really are. Lord, help us to encourage one another. Because if we're honest, you know, we all see things in our hearts that aren't right. Lord, help us to be able to encourage one another that you would create in us a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that's after you. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, help us to know each other after our hearts. Lord, we just thank you for, for the times we can encourage one another. We can encourage one another to become more like you. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you that uh, you allow us to be your vessels, your epistles, your letters to the world around us. Lord, we just pray that you just help us to be faithful to you in that. Lord, we just ask you to dismiss us now with your blessing. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.